2-0. In the air, straightaway center. Loping back here, Meyer in front of the wall, leaps into the air, and he made the catch! Springer rocks one out to center. Greenback at the wall. It's gone! From tied to on top, the Blue Jays have a go-ahead home run from George Springer. And a 3-2. Swing and a shot up the left field line. Hooking into the corner. Goodbye! Alejandro Kirk just kicked down the door. The Blue Jays have a 9-3 lead over the Tigers. Five home runs from the Toronto offense tonight. The put-away shot, the three-run home run from Alejandro Kirk, helping Bo Bichette, George Springer, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Matt Chapman's efforts. In the end, a one-way win for the Blue Jays tonight. What a way to kick off the home stand, the new-look Rogers Center, and last night's Home opener win for your Toronto Blue Jays. It's Kevin Kiermeyer's world, and we're all living in it and living it up. We really, really are. Face in the I, city. I'm like, I was immediately full of regret last night because when we were talking about the Kevin Kiermeyer signing in the offseason, you were kind of tiptoeing around the subject a little bit. Fourth outfielder, is that the case? What are we actually expecting? I feel like I was one of the few people that liked the signing, and I wish I was harder with my take, firmer with my stance on Kevin Kiermaier, because I want to feel that validation, mm. but I can't because I wasn't, like, banging the drum on it. Well, it was all kind of about, like, will he be healthy, too? It was like He's we, looking were expecting, healthy. we were expecting something else, but yes, he looks healthy. He looks really comfortable in a dome scenario. <laughs> I don't know if that's, like, the key. Is this is this a dome player? You go from Tropicana. <laughs> Tropicana. Tropicana. Yeah, oh, Tropa. Yeah. No, that definitely doesn't work. Go from Tropicana to Rogers Center, and you're just you're you're a difference maker out there. I cannot believe he pulled that one back because it did not look like he was going to. It looked like it was gone, and when he actually pulled it back and showed it, I was like, "What? He caught that mm-hmm. unbelievable grab!" I don't know if we'll see a better one all year, but I feel like he's going to be making plays in center all season long, which is very exciting. Not only making plays, like that was maybe one of the best catches. I mean, we had some, we've had some great catches at the Rogers Center. But that one is up there. Maybe because it's home opener. Maybe it's because it's debut for a guy that used to do that on the other side. Against the Toronto Blue Jays, he has certainly been the story in the last little while in terms of Toronto fans just falling in love with this guy. Maybe it's the villain comes back to, to be a part of the, the team. Villain is a bit of a stretch. I don't think I ever like hated Kevin Kiermaier, but he, there's always moments where oh, Kevin Kiermaier. Hey, tormented us. And he's long, on he our side now. He was in the ALEs for a long time. Yeah, I think he was trending towards villain category. Mm. Maybe you have to. Maybe you have to be a little bit better of a player overall to be like truly, truly a villain, or you have to be like Garrett Cole and step, Oof. you know, be on the Audi sign or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was definitely a guy that was like part of the Rays torment. Now that he's on our side, it, it feels a little sweeter. I gotta say, I've never seen a reaction to a single uh, to an athlete in uh, in Toronto like this. Like everyone is in love with this man. Everyone, yes, they are. Everyone thinks he's the most attractive person on the planet. Every he single could person. Be. He might be.
Like, it doesn't matter. Man or woman. Name five more attractive what, people than Kevin Kiermaier. What your interests are in? You love Kevin Kiermaier. You absolutely do. I've never seen the unanimous approval, the approval rating off the charts for this guy. You're part of it. And I'm glad. Oh, I'm, I'm leading the charge. And I'm glad that the play <laughs> is backing up everything yeah. else because uh, he's even got that little, like, twinkle in his eye. He's, he's let's go it's Toronto. Like an we, we have a team here. That I don't know how it actually twinkles. Like how does somebody's eye twinkle? Whoever like started that in cartoons, brilliant because it actually <laughs> happens with people like Kevin Kiermeyer. And every time he gets the chance to endear himself, whether it's catches, <laughs> big home runs, or he's on the mic, he's just everything that he does. It's just like I love this man, mm-hmm. and I may or may not be a little jealous. Even Jamie Campbell is hilarious. Uh, old dreamy eyes. Exactly. Calm, Everyone. Uh, well, just we're all leaning into it, and I'm I'm not mad about it. The whole uh, applause, obviously, I was at the game last night. The applause for Kevin Kiermaier might be an additional ten percent because of the lust and love for him. The lust, that lust is a good word. I was gonna say, <laughs> I, I was a little. I don't know if I could say the most sexualized athlete that's come to Toronto. Like everyone just like loves this guy, and and it's making people feel a certain way. Uh, but I think lust is the is the better word there. There's a lust for Kevin Kiermaier sure right is. now, and, and it's not just. Because he's a good-looking man. That's right. He's certainly earned that. He seems like a guy that is embracing every moment to kind of like give to the city of Toronto as well to say, I love this place. Let's bring a a pennant here. This is my town. This is my love for this team has just grown substantially. He's in the dugout. You're watching, uh, or yeah, like the, every every clip, every so. If you're a sportsman social team, you just keep the camera on Kevin mm-hmm. Kiermaier because he's doing chin ups, he's doing pull ups, he's dancing, he's running onto the field during home runs. Like, oh, he's he's leaning into he it and it's working. The, he loves the camera and the camera loves him. And if you're a social team, that's that's a good combination. Free tip, just I go the, film him. I think the best thing that we got from him after the game is just like, I love making plays. I love guys that love making plays. The fact that he wants to do that over and over again—that that's like something that he's going to crave—and it's it's like you get addicted to that. You get addicted mm-hmm. to that feeling where you're making plays like that. And we talked about it yesterday with Caleb Joseph, that eraser that brought that wall down, and what he can do out there. Immediately, we see the dividends being paid off, and it just it's it's exciting. It seems like he's going to be a guy that we get excited about more like not every game it's not going to happen every game he's not going to be hitting home runs every game he's not going to be robbing home runs every game Mm -hmm. he's not going to be plus two in the home run department every time out but at least once a week he's going to get this fan base fired up which is awesome so he absolutely robs carrie carpenter of a home run in the second inning so starting the game off pretty strong after it looked uh at times that the blue jays were going to be behind and they were and they had to what string off like nine straight runs um the center, fall, center field wall was reduced by, I believe it was two feet, and uh, made a big difference. He reaches over, grabs that ball. There was a kind of like a shock and awe from Roger Center, a massive roar, obviously, and then he gets a home run later. So that's why it's Kevin Kiermaier's world. But I want to play his thoughts on that catch. We have some postgame clip from Kevin and uh, just kind of was going through his head when he reached up and snagged that home run. I, I keep saying, you know, uh, ever since I signed back in December, so many times the wall is brought up. Okay, they lower it to eight feet for you. What are you going to do? And I sit here and keep saying, you know, all I want is opportunities. I want to make those plays. And, and baseball works in, in mysterious ways sometimes. And tonight, you know, my second inning out there and and make that catch, uh, it was such a rush, such a thrill. It's one I'll, I'll go back and watch probably ten times a night and – the Rogers Center reaction to it was amazing. Uh, I was on cloud nine the whole night. It was so fun. 
There you go. He's going to go watch it 10 times. That's, uh, I love it. We're all swooning. I'm swooning. Maybe, I don't know. It's it's definitely the whole package. That's like, that's a different kind of quote too. Like you don't, you don't necessarily see athletes admit to admiring their work, mm-hmm. but when he does, it's just like, yeah, hell yeah. Watch that 10 times. As he should. Um, all right. So I'm at the game last night, six home runs in the ball game, five of them for the Blue Jays, a record for home opener home runs it's like the homer opener nice yeah kind of cheap i think if you were more confident with it you would have nailed like you would have nailed it <laughs> if you were like kevin kiermeyer with it it would have been all good i don't have that level of confidence ever in anything no in my life it will be a ballpark with a lot of home runs and, and it i think i was reading i believe shy's postgame article most of the home runs from last night would have been home runs Last year, it wasn't that significant of, oh, the wall made this for this. I think it was just bows that wouldn't have been. But nonetheless, the we're building... Gonna get a lot of, we're going to get a lot of well actuallys this year. Yes. I think, well, we're actually, it would have been We're going to get a lot of measuring tapes, out. okay? The, the folks are going to be yeah. certainly with the, the trajectories. Ni- 93% and, of ballparks would have yeah. been gone. Whatever. We're going to get a lot of that. Let's lean into it. It's the Rogers Center. It was awesome. The, exactly. Let's have the, fun. Like This we is got our a, ballpark now, and if there's a lot of home runs, I don't mind. We got a ballpark where it looks like we're going to have exciting games, we're going to have balls flying out of it. And, yeah, it might have went out in every single ballpark, mm-hmm. but I, I just want to get excited about a ballpark that might be the most entertaining in all of baseball, given that – all those home runs go out, and it seems like it's it's um, it sets up for home run robberies, mm-hmm. like we saw from Kevin Kiermaier. I think it's going to be a really really fun ballpark. And whether it went out at a different park or not, uh, I feel like hitters are going to love being at Rogers Center, and the Blue Jays mm-hmm. will love being at Rogers Center. Is it good? the night started out quite well? I would say uh, just being there for the opening intros, the new light bands that they did. Um, is that cool? Because that didn't really play for TV. I think it's too big of a like a stadium. For, like, it's different when you're at Scotiabank Arena and they do that because it's tighter, it's darker. But the Rogers mm. Center is a bit bigger, clearly, because it's a baseball stadium. So it didn't pop as much. But that's something I've never had to happen at home. I thought that was a cool addition. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody gets their moment to run out to the field and get some cheers. You said a couple of them popped for you when you're watching on TV. It's hard to tell the difference really in the moment. But when you wrote these down... And I looked at it, I said, oh, yeah, you nailed it. That's what I, yeah, that's what I got from it. I thought you would have a, a better idea of, like, mm-hmm. who really shined. And you, you mentioned Kevin Kiermaier. Before the catch and before the home run, he's getting a big pop. But, yeah, it seemed like Romano, big time. Vlad, Manoa, and even our guy, you Kikuchi, Kikuchi might have got the biggest cheer of all of them. Did the, did the bow help, do you think? I yeah, don't know. Like, he's, uh, he's just a lovely guy. But people were really fired up for Kikuch. Somehow, somehow he's become, even through the muck of last season. Because we want to cheer for him. Every, everyone wants to cheer for him. It's, he's a good it's something, story. something unexplainable. But everyone does want to cheer for him. It hasn't been that great of a start for him. It's been okay. It's been better. Mm-hmm. But it's not like this guy's been a quality return on investment yet. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that things... Uh, do settle down for him, and it's a productive season, but he's getting the benefit of the doubt, unlike yeah. others, and it's interesting. Yep, hometown or local Romano got probably one of the loudest cheers. Uh, he also got an award on the field. That was great. Kirk, huge applause for Kirk as well. Vladdy, of course, is, you know, he gets he gets his flowers, but the intros were really great to have. Um, other things that I checked out, because it was the home opener, of course, and I, I was hoping that if we have listeners, 595.90, were you at the ballpark? Did you get your first opportunity to see the new look Rogers Center? Would you like, you know, what were you left wanting? 
think it'd be great to get some content um, or some responses from you listeners. Um, I did get to try out the self checkout area, which we talked oh, about. Tell us about that. So it's there's I think there's a few stations in the ballpark where you can walk in. It's actually crazy. It's kind of creepy technology. You tap your credit card at the entrance. I mean, that's pretty standard. If you got to tap a credit card, it's not like they're scanning everything in your wallet. But you tap your credit card at the entrance. You are entering a large fridge freezer feel and you can pick any type of alcoholic beverage and you know, I, I believe don alcoholic too there's like chips there's like snacks it's kind of like a, an alcoholic 7-eleven <laughs> you walk in you grab whatever you want so uh, uh, a 7-eleven in the united states yeah sure. that's right any gas any corner store in the united states and then you walk out and it knows what you've purchased so I guess it is doing the full body scan. Yeah, that's where it gets creepy. I understand tapping your car is not creepy, but you leave and it knows what you spent, what's in your hands, and you didn't scan anything. You just, like, I grabbed a beer and I walked out. And I'm like, how do you know? And I'm sure the people were, they had to answer this question a hundred times. How do you know what I have? Like, they just know. You did ask the question? Oh, yeah. Because I was like, do I need to do anything? She's like, no, just walk out. Just make sure you open it. You have to open it, to sh- like, because... You have to have it open. You have to open the can of beer for yes. it to... Why would that... How would that trigger anything? No, like, it's... I think it's a policy. You can't have, like, closed beverages. Like, they have to be opened. I don't know. Stuff some sort of policy. You can't so bring, you bring it bring home many, or something. Yeah. yeah. So, you have to show that you open it, but you leave, and it knows through tech mm. <laughs> what you have bought. I thought that was pretty cool. And that made the fastest purchase. I didn't wait in a line all night. I'll say the lines were speedy. Like, just boom, 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 in, out. Like, they did a really great job at beefing up how many people were working there. Concessions were fast. I didn't have to wait more than three to five minutes for something. Do you have to leave in, like, single file? Like, could ten people walk through the There's, like, kind of, like, turnstiles. But but there's, like, three or four of them. You just walked out. Wow, that's weird. Felt like stealing. It's, uh... I actually should check my credit card this morning to see. Do they add a tip? Like, that's the other thing. No gratuity. You just leave. But, yeah, I was going to say, is someone, like, walking too close to you and then you're paying for their beers? I'll take a look, actually. <laughs> yeah, check sure. that, check that My, card like, statement. My AMX statement's how like $250. They, how did they police, because it's two people minimum for the bottle of wine? Well, there are people that work there in this little station, obviously. So, it's not so a free-for-all. So do both all. of them, to enter, do you have to scan a credit card? Yes. So if you went in with four people, like if you went in with a family, how does that work? Justin, I don't have a family. So I don't oh, know. I'm, I'm at, there are other people listening might have a family. I didn't stand there and watch the process of this. I went and experienced it. It was great, but I will follow up about but, it. There's questions that remain unanswered. That's all I'm putting out there. Yes. But anyway, very cool. Um, I also got the pleasure to meet our Wake and Rake contributor, the family of Ron and Jules. Wow. Who messaged me and said they're at the game and we met up and it was lovely to meet people in real life. They do exist and they're a lovely family. I think they're the first family of the fan morning show. They right? are. Like royalty. They are. And They've... I got to meet them and it was lovely. So shout out to them. And they go to a fan. Like they're they're into it. They were? Uh, they're definitely listening right now. I would assume. That was awesome. I was I saw a photo. Very, very cool. Yeah. Glad that you could do that. We took a selfie for you because I thought you'd be jealous. I was jealous. Um, other than that, on-field stuff was great. How to play for broadcast because obviously being there, it's pretty it's crazy. It's great. Yeah, it, it looked like it was jammed in all the new areas, but it also looked like it was 
constrained and like not over the top and rowdy and there weren't issues like it looked like it was playing out perfectly and I guess what you're gonna see on TV might be a little bit curated maybe there were some issues but you saw people in the bleachers and they mm-hmm. all looked like comfortable and seated I like think they nicely. were well-ish behaved well-ish. it just didn't seem like there was any issues and people were hanging out and enjoying the the open spaces and there weren't like 10 people climbed on a couch because mm-hmm. everyone was packed in there like sardines it looked like it was perfect it looked like it was a fun place to be all summer long. We got to get that roof open. Like the process of, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. like a little test run that has to be done. Like if we're doing anything more with the renovations, which we are next summer or next winter yeah. rather. Can we get that roof to open a little bit more? I know that's like the main the main piece and maybe the hardest thing that you have to deal with. But that thing opening on command and being open when it should be open, which was yesterday, uh, would really round off a perfect renovation process we'll put it that way yeah well maybe they'll start to push forward the dates and the times and the temperatures that they're allocating for the dome but i still think the vibes are pretty great we got to see the crime dog out there for opening pitch and Mm -hmm. he looks like he could play (laughs) he's like what almost i don't know 30 years I don't know what the math is. I don't know. I, want to, I don't know if I want to do the math. He's considerably older than me, and I look older than him. He looks amazing for his age. The guy is going to the Hall of Fame. He's fifty nine <laughs> years old, and he looked like he threw a strike too. Getting you know, wiping his he feet was, off you're on not the messing thing. Around like, when you're like, a former player. Like, if he was, if in a pinch, if there was an e bug in Major League Baseball, <laughs> I think I'm pretty cool. If we got the uh, the crime dog out there, I'd feel comfortable with him. Great to see him get um, his moment. Obviously, there's three awards handed out pregame as well. You had the massive Canada flag. It was all. It was great show, great theater. I thought everybody did a great job. That works for the Blue Jays in the Rogers Center to get it all prepped up. And then the game starts, and Manoa. In let me just let me ask you a question here. If Manoa started game one of the playoffs, opening night in the home opener, and absolutely went out and, you know, went six innings, eight Ks, and won those starts, would you say that he's a big game player? I suppose. So. That's a weird. But if he did. Big game player is weird for starting pitching. What? I think that's kind of like you're either the guy or you're not the guy. And I'm just saying in the last four games that he's pitched for the Toronto Blue Jays, three of them have been in high stakes, high intensity moments. Yeah. I don't want to completely change like my thought process on him based on, okay, these four starts that he's had. It's just a question. Three of the last four have been quote unquote bigger than a normal one. Maybe the biggest ever. (laughs) The biggest ever. For him so far in his career. For him, I suppose. Uh, you know, those times he was at Yankee Stadium and starting no, his career, no. maybe bigger one of the playoffs. Maybe bigger for him than, you know, the home opener eleven games into a season this year. No, nah, no, definitely not. But there's something to it. I I don't know I don't know if it's the stage. I don't know if it's just something that he's hit mechanically. I don't know if it was maybe, you know, end of the line last year and maybe not starting this year as fresh as he could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Uh, for these things, I tend because the only thing I can really liken a pitcher's mechanics to from my own experience would be a golf swing where you're thinking about something and then all of a sudden the other thing goes out the window. Like you're thinking about your grip or you're thinking about your hands yeah. or your takeaway and all of a sudden your head's popping up and anything that you did to try and fix an issue that you're conscious of, you're introducing something else. 
And I feel like that's what pitchers are constantly, constantly dealing with because it's this repetitive it's, motion where you're just doing it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And it has to be precise and it has to be all encompassing or it's not going to work. So I feel like he's missing something. I yeah. don't know when he lost that. I think for sure the Seattle start in the wild card game was like a nerve thing, too charged up. I, I get all that. I don't know if that was the issue last night. I don't know if it was as big of a deal as maybe like, you know, fans that get to go to a game for the first time in a long time would actually feel because he's already had a couple starts this season. But yeah, if it is just a big game thing, I'll be encouraged though, because I'm frankly a little bit more worried about what the rest of the season will look like for a guy who's clearly trying to work out something from a mechanical standpoint. If it's just big games and that is a big game and everything will be cool next time around. Mm -hmm. Great. And we'll deal about we'll deal with the big game thing a little bit later on. You know, mental coach, well, yeah, we'll figure all that stuff out. But if he's dealing with something and he can't find it and he can't be as good as last year, then the pitching that we worry about constantly, sixty percent, looking a little sketchy. If that sixty percent is not forty percent, and in turn or instead eighty percent, then frankly, I'm concerned because Kevin Gosman's the only pitcher in the starting rotation right mm-hmm. now who you have been able to rely on. And I was simply just presenting. Well, give us your opinion because a I, line of I, kinda, I don't want to pour cold water on it and move on. You I don't think, think it's you nothing. Think this is an issue. I don't think it's nothing. I certainly think this guy knows how big these moments are. He talks about it. He creates social media content like no one else about how how ready he is for these big games. And he hasn't been. And I just think it's something interesting. And if that's just shying away from the moment or it being too big or getting in your head, yeah, that's fixable. But the mechanically, there's been some issues with Alec Manoa, as you mentioned. His command's not there. His velocity is down. Those are those are the things that you look at a, on a score sheet or on a, like a stat line, and you think, okay, that could be tweaked. But three big moments and three disappointing-esque performances is just, it's just something. I think maybe maybe the velocity is the most important thing when trying to psychoanalyze. Because if it was up, maybe he's charged up. Maybe he's just this mm. moment is just getting, you know, it's getting the best of him because he just wants to be so good. But because it was down, I feel like it's I'm thinking about what I'm doing, not thinking about the what's around me, right? I think, it's, At least I that, think they're tied that together. That would be my justification. You're thinking, about how, you're thinking about what you're doing and thinking about the moment. You're not playing in Oakland on a... Thursday at 4 p.m. This is the home opener. You are chosen to be this guy. There was a whole push around. Is it going to be him or Gosman? You were the mm-hmm. opening day starter. You were chosen to be this guy. There was a lot of intensity and moment about that. And then you started game one of the playoffs. So I'm just saying. And I, and I don't think there's like an imposter syndrome going on here, but you could also look at Kevin Gosman and be like, that guy's pretty good. And he's a pro. And if, it, if we're doing this like internal competition, I'm having trouble. Just I know yeah. I'm having trouble keeping up with this guy because he is that lights out and there are probably some some attributes of Kevin Gosman's athletic repertoire that he's jealous of the fact that Gosman mm-hmm. always seems to be on always seems to have his stuff and doesn't worry or have to worry about the mechan- the mechanical stuff that I'm currently dealing with I being Alec Manoa I will just say a lot of this can be charged with Alec Manoa's young in his career these are big learning moments these are moments where you kind of have to get the mental fortitude to bounce back and have that opportunity again I'm glad that he's getting these starts I think he's earned them with his performance last year, but how many times do you get these opportunities and and not deliver is just a is just a a thing that I think about. Maybe it's the athlete perspective of what goes into a start like this and you know, how you maybe self talk. 
I'm not, this level of concern is low. I just thought it would be an interesting way to present the last four starts of Alec Minow's Blue Jays career compared to Kevin Gossman, who is a vet and who has been in these big moments. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is all Alec Manoa learning how to perform in those big moments. He didn't do it last night. It's not, I'm not worried about him being, you know, Chris Bassett of the last, the first game or uh, Jose Barrios, who obviously my concern index is way higher for. But good thing the Blue Jays offense was able to deliver, score nine unanswered runs to have this 9-3 victory. Like, you know, they are they're a very well-rounded team, maybe the most well-rounded that I've seen in a long time. And if their starting pitching is great, this team seems like pretty damn good. And they haven't had that consistently to start the season, and they're still with a pretty good record. And what are they, 7-4 and four now? And that hasn't even been two full rips of the rotation that have felt super positive, right? So I think there's a lot to glean from a team being able to have comeback wins early on in the season, led by great offense and great defense. And maybe starting pitching needs to then take the next step up. Yeah, oh, definitely. It definitely does. Uh, The Blue Jays have won all three of Alec Manoa's starts. Uh, mm-hmm. I doubt he's... Well, I guess he might have recorded a win against the Kansas City Royals, but it hasn't been because of him, for sure. I, I wonder if these things are connected. He's still thinking about Seattle. He's still thinking about I St. Louis. Not. Then he's still thinking about how it wasn't necessarily sharp against Kansas City. I do think these things can build up in your mind when things aren't going right, and that can also contribute to, hey, there's a big stage, and I don't have it, and am I going to have it, and I'm worried about having it? I think all these things definitely apply And the thing that might settle down everything is if you can just have a noiseless, productive start and put a couple zeros on the board. And I think that might kickstart his season. And yeah, he he doesn't he gets what four point four and a a change in the innings. Um, And then Zach Pop comes in, and that guy has been unsung quiet hero. He's been unbelievable. He and and I I feel like we've talked about the offense all the time. And then like okay, you have to someone has to come in and like level out what's going on in the mound. But he needs. He deserves a full conversation of Zach Pop and what he's done to this team so far. Yeah, his role has been mop-up duty, and he's been mm-hmm. brilliant in mop-up duty. It's not a glamorous role. It's not a glamorous yeah. role. And I wonder if there's, I mean, there's definitely room to grow within the bullpen and the roles within the bullpen, uh, but he's come in and done the job more often than not. And that breaking pitch coming in on right-handers, wow, it is nasty. There is a lot of movement on that pitch, and it's very, very encouraging because it, it, did it feel like he was, he, did it feel like he was a throw-in in that deal? A little bit, I guess, but they've identified something there in terms of like arm talent, and I, I'm encouraged to see where it goes because uh, I feel like the, the weapons and the tools that he has shown, and he's been able to show this year as opposed to what we saw last year. I think there's moments last year, but it looks nastier and mm-hmm. it looks more encouraging, and I'm excited to see uh, how he grows into the season and what sort of role he can carve out for the Blue Jays bullpen. The continued three-game series against the Detroit Tigers tonight, uh, 7 p.m., we're going to see Kevin Gosman on the mound against Eduardo Rodriguez. Moving forward, obviously, I, I don't think that uh, the Detroit Tigers are the toughest competition in the next couple of days. they got the Tampa Bay Rays, who continue to win games. Scary, looming in the distance. Um, but I think you can feel pretty positive about where we're at. Offense is clicking. The bullpen's looking like they're able to secure some of the unsta- instability of some of the starting pitching. I feel good about Kevin Gosman, usually. Let's keep that going. I will say, though, the insecurities about the pitching and maybe the lack thereof pitching, not going away for me. Especially yes, when the, the <laughs> things you're most encouraged or most excited with or most believe are set in stone, like Alec Manoa, mm-hmm. battling and at least getting it done, when more and more issues are popping up, with the exception of Zach Pop, 
uh, I, I don't think I'll ever feel as comfortable, right? Like, I, I just, it, again, it's early. Mm-hmm. It's very early. And things are going to go up and down and in different directions. But my concerns preseason about there being enough pitching, nothing that we've seen has quelled those concerns. It is early, but baby steps towards Justin's level of confidence, just moving up and up, led by some very fun home run baseball. Um, Let's move to Leafs because doubleheader last night with Toronto Sports. Um, That was a a feisty game, and I I wondered pregame, as well as we talked about it, who was A, going to be in the lineup, who was going to be in the net, (laughs) and what level of competition these two teams would have considering they're going to start their first round of playoffs in less than a week. Injuries are obviously a question. You don't want to be going in there and like not having someone available next week, but they brought a level of intensity that actually really surprised me in last night's game. Yeah, I think who who brought the level of intensity? I Well, both teams, but I think it was kind of led by Tampa. Uh, it definitely was led by Tampa. In my eyes, Tampa wanted that game to be very meaningful. Mm-hmm. And I think Toronto was not really in a position to make it meaningful at all. Like, uh, there's a lot of pregame drama, of course, with double ATOs Ugh. and who's going to make the start and whether or not we're betting six and a half goal alternate spreads for the Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> because a guy from uh, the University of Western Ontario is going to be uh, in net for the squad. Maple Leafs. And yeah, that's my squad, but I don't know if the talent will translate. Anyway, uh, it, there was a lot of pregame drama. Eventually, Joe Wall goes in. Joe Wall plays brilliantly. And mm-hmm. if there's a story from the game, I think that Joe Wall is just a stud. Like, I, I think they, this is one of the low-key success stories of the entire season is that the thing that they couldn't do, which was draft and develop and produce a goaltender internally they seemingly have done. And I'm not putting him in a starter's role, but I'm comfortably putting him in as the backup next year and a guy that you're going to rely on a lot next year Mm -hmm. and moving forward on a contract that pays him well under a million dollars. It's a real nice find for the Maple Leafs. And I guess they got to deal with some stuff this summer because Samsonov doesn't have a contract and Matt Murray has one, unfortunately. But that's just a real nice story. But sorry, I went on a little bit of a tangent there. Back to the intensity Tampa wanted that to mean a lot. They wanted to make a statement. They wanted to do something. They wanted to make that game matter. And maybe they were successful in some ways. But then old Luke Shen was dragged into one of those fights that they wanted to produce. And guess who didn't return to the game after Luke Shen fought with him? Mm-hmm. That was Pat Maroon. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I feel like, hey, maybe they'll maybe a little reminder. And they, they know all about Luke Shen. as Luke Shen's a guy who's won the Stanley Cup there before. Uh, that maybe the Leafs aren't going to be as easy to push around. And even though they want to manufacture like the realness, uh, like something from that game they wanted to take home, Tampa Bay, I don't know if they were successful in doing that, even if they dominated the game more often than not against a lesser, lesser opponent in the Toronto Maple Leafs who sat Matthews and Marner Mm -hmm. and played Connor Timmons at forward. Like Tampa (sighs) wanted that to be a meaningful game. Toronto didn't. And as, as much as they tried, it didn't even work out what they were trying to do. Okay, lots there. Um, the physicality for me, I feel more confident with the Maple Leafs where they're at this playoff run with their toughness. And we say, like, can you can you uh, generate toughness or can you make it out of nothing? They added the right players or they've added a level of intensity and grit. And I know last night was just a stepping stone to, to series, uh, which starts next week. But they matched that level, and maybe they hadn't done that previously in the past. So I feel more confident about the Maple Leafs in terms of their physicality and their, well, not compete level, but you know what I mean, like rough it up, tough it up. Um, 
Joe Wall certainly for me, it's like how many times I think I've been a bit tentative to come on here and be like, he is the future. I don't know how many more games he can play before it's just it's a fact that Matt Murray is no longer on this team and Joe Wall is your backup. Like, I think that was it last We're night. We're just waiting for the trade. Whatever, whatever needs. They got to be done. figure it out because he's they he's the guy. Let's solidify that now. Figure it out in the off season. But he's I want Joe Wall to be a part of the Maple Leafs next season. Too valuable of an asset for what he's paid, what he can provide, and what you need from a continuing team building perspective. Like it's there's no question about it. He's got to be in that position. And if it came down to Ilya Samsonov not, let's say he has two bad games in playoffs, I would put Wall in before I put Matt Murray. Well, clearly Matt Murray hasn't even played in the last two weeks, but all things considered, I'd be more com- com- comfortable with Joseph Wall than Matt Murray. I didn't think I'd say that, but I'm on board. I'm on board, rather. All right. So another back-to-back games. This is the other thing. Two games in a row where the goaltenders were the story. Ilya Samsonov had his best game of the season on Monday night. And Joe Wall had maybe his best game of the season last night. So if you're looking for ways to ramp yourself up for the playoffs, your goaltenders being dialed is certainly a massive storyline. Speaking of ramped up for the playoffs, little concerned about the officiating last night. Remember it was this? a lot. I'm doing. A, I started a rewatch of Tampa Toronto last year. Because I don't know you're if I'm sicko. Gonna, I'm a sicko, but I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to get through it. I watched game one yesterday. Didn't watch a game or, or didn't watch a game yesterday. I watched game one the day before yesterday, and. You'll be reminded quickly that it was a penalty fest. It was a power play fest. It was everything, ticky-tack, little pushes, little cross-checks, everything being called. And it did cool off, cool off over the course of the series. But that's what we saw again last night. What, eight penalties for Toronto? Eight power plays for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Oh, and six, eight, though. Six for the Maple Leafs? Like, 14 power plays in a game? A lot of coincidentals, too? Like, that is... If it was precedent-setting in any way... I hope it wasn't with the officiating. And I don't know if the book's out on Tampa and Toronto. Hmm. We had Sheldon Keefe, what, promising violence at the start of last year. I forgot about that, We've, yeah. We have, you know, Michael Bunting, who already seems to never get the benefit of the doubt, and we saw again last night from officials. Like, are they, do they have their own bias towards these two teams in this rivalry? Where who does that play better they are for, step the Leafs in. or the Lightning? I don't, like, okay, we can go, we can go back to game one of the rewatch. The Maple Leafs penalty killing in that game was absolutely electric, like unbelievable. Mm -hmm. They were so good. They captured a lot of the momentum in the game because they killed off a five-minute major that Kyle Clifford took with a cheap shot on Ross Colton. They 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 might have a bit of an advantage there. The special team's advantage, which is crazy to say, between the Lightning and Leafs might lie in favor. Of Toronto, mm-hmm. but you're playing with fire if you do that too long because I think this team is better than the Lightning at five on five. And if it becomes something else, something that distracts from the normal run of play, the five on five portion of the game, which should dominate any game, then maybe you get more variance. And I think the last thing the Leafs need in a playoff series with Tampa is high variance mm-hmm. because I do think they are better right now. It didn't show last night, but I think they're the better team right now. And silliness can only help Tampa. I 100% feel like the Leafs are the better team, right? Not even right now, but season-wide. But right now, Tampa's lost four in a row. They're three and seven in their last 10. Like, they're not coasting into the playoffs with a lot of good vibes. They're not coasting. They are... They're 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 like Alec Noah trying to find something. something on the mound. And that's why they played the style of hockey that they did last night. It didn't work out for them as they lost. But you're right. If the Leafs get pulled into that type of style that benefits tampa 
We've seen it before. It's not a recipe for success, but the Maple Leafs still killed off eight penalties without Mitch Marner. That's a big positive. He's obviously their best PKer, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sure. so I think there's a there's a small positive in that. But yeah, the Maple Leafs didn't need anything from that game, but they needed, I don't think it was a litmus test, but it was a good size up of physicality. Yeah, we can, we can hang with these guys. If this is the way the refing goes, won't love it. But at the same time, you just got to accept that the refs kind of can set what their precedent is, and if that's the way a whole series goes, it'll suck for us as fans watch penalty after penalty after penalty and not just see free-flow hockey, but I think the Leafs are in a much better spot than they were last year in terms of being the matchup against a Tampa team, and now a lot of that also goes to Tampa not being you know, as uh, scary as an opponent as maybe I felt last year. Speaking of a better spot, I have a trivia question for you. Oh, boy, I don't like that. Who did John Tavares start the playoffs with as line mates last year? Game one. Wasn't it Willie? Oh. They eventually reunited, uh, and it did not go particularly well, although John Tavares did come on late in the series. I don't remember. Andre Kasha. Oh, my God. And Ilya Mikheyev. This year, we expected to be Ryan O'Reilly and William Nylander. That's a lot better. There, there are a lot of differences between this team. If you look at their lineup, you could make the argument that they've improved at every single mm-hmm. level, which I think has to be considered if you're looking at the rematch of this series. It was... One goal, I think one goal separated them in the, in the series last year. It was obviously very tight going seven games. But the Lightning are, if not diminished, maybe slightly diminished, but diminished in, a, in some way with Palat and McDonough gone. And the Maple Leafs, if you look at their roster, it is almost shocking how much better it is now than it was last year. Brian O'Reilly is certainly leading that level of confidence for me as well. He looked awesome last night. Thought he was the best player. Yeah, since returning from injury, it's been a gradual but important step forward each game for him. He looked great. He looks tough to play against. He's dominant. He's physical, but he's also, like, contributing. Stole a goal from Matthew Nyes. Yeah, I was a little bitter as a uh, Matthews or or a Matthew. (laughs) I'll keep doing that. Matthews and Matthew Nyes is going to be tough for me. I might need him to be the 13th forward just so I don't make that error (laughs) over and over again. Uh, yeah, but uh, I bet him any time goal, and it just sat there, and I'm like, Ryan, you got to give that a second. It's a young guy looking for his first goal. I think that he didn't know that that was it wasn't, Matthew I Nyes. think it was, uh, well, I, I think In he the moment, was you're Nyes. not going to think, ooh, I should wait for this puck no, to I'm, cross I'm, the line. No, I'm, I'm saying it in jest, but yeah. also I don't think it was going across the line. He had to uh, to hammer it in because it looked like it was going to stop dead. I will say on Matthew Nyes, better performance. Mm-hmm. If there was anything that was different or something new that we saw, the puck does jump off his stick. That was a good shot. That mm-hmm. thing came with a little velocity at, at Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah. Definitely beat him, and the 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 quality of the shot produced a goal. We'll say that. So I, I think Matthew Nyes definitely took a jump, took a little bit of a leap. I'm not putting him in the lineup yet, <laughs> but he was a lot better in his second NHL start uh, compared to his first. Yeah, and, and all credit to him. We talked about this yesterday when we evaluated his first NHL appearance. He had a lot of things going against him to start that game on Monday against the Florida Panthers and 24 hours removed level of confidence and comfortability in him. I'm sure himself was significant enough that he's got one more opportunity on Thursday. I'm not saying I'm changing my tune, but I'm saying I'm seeing a lot more out of Matthew Nyes that makes me feel comfortable that he might get an opportunity sometime in the first round. If needed, the Maple Leafs can lean on him and he, he's got maybe three games under his belt by then and feels a lot confident. He made a big step from game one to game two. And if you're rushing to add experience under your belt, well, some 
team-specific experience against a team like Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's worth more than playing, uh, true. say, Ottawa. You've seen that Tampa Bay team before. You know what it feels like. Uh, maybe it makes it easier to jump in if he's indeed called upon. So Leafs are back in action for their final regular season game at MSG. That's tomorrow night against the Rangers. Uh, yesterday, there was a, a couple playoff clinching scenarios that happened. And some players, some teams are on the outside looking in after yesterday's games. But both these teams, they're sizing each other up. They're ready to start next week's series. Um, I'm hearing it might start Tuesday, but we'll see. Insider? No, I listened to Kipper and Boren, and Kipper said that. So. Oh, Okay. Kipper's the insider. You, I guess you could. <laughs> I guess I forced the attribution out of you, but uh, I, I'm surprised. I thought they'd start Monday. Uh, if it gives us an extra day to tee it up, that's probably a good thing. Um, Don't yeah. quote me on it. Quote him on it. Yeah, we'll, we'll blame Kipper. Always blame Kipper. All right. And to round up our Toronto sports discussion this morning before we chat with Jeff Merrick, and we got some we got some great guests coming up as well. Just to interrupt you, yeah. does it say more about the situation than anything that we talked about the Blue Jays and the Leafs on a day that the Raptors have a playoff game? Well, I will say, last night was a home opener for, for the Toronto Blue Jays. They deserve to lead off. It's a playoff game off. for a Toronto sports team. Yeah, but I, I definitely think that tonight's vibes around the Raptors win in, or must win game, not even win it in, uh, win or go home against the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, the vibes maybe feel like it will start at 6.30 to talk about this, which is maybe a testament to this team and what we want to happen or what we expect to happen tonight's game. Yeah, probably the less, the least anticipated. I, I don't even know if you call it a playoff game because they haven't made the playoffs yet. They got to win two games and they got to go through the ghosts <laughs> of franchise past in DeMar DeRozan and then Kyle Lowry if they want to make the playoffs, which sets up uh, very interestingly from a narrative standpoint. But, you know, they're favored to get through DeRozan. They won't be favored to get through Lowry in the Miami Heat. But uh, it is kind of remarkable how, and and we're part of this. I don't even know if it's a problem. And we're, and we're, we have a hand in certainly like setting this up, but it just seems like it's as much of a read through big game that we've ever seen or recently seen in, in the history of Toronto sports. Like it does not matter. It feels like the result of the game which is kind of a crazy thing to say. Mm. Like, I think there's even a question of whether or not we are dying to see them win this game, to see them go on. From a narrative standpoint, the Lowry situation would be very, very interesting on Friday night if they do play the Heat with a chance to go to the playoffs. But the fact that Milwaukee and Giannis Antetokounmpo and a certain result is around the corner it just doesn't feel like this is even close to as important as it should feel. I still want the Toronto Raptors to win tonight. I'm not going to move off of that. The season has been pretty disappointing in basically every facet of the word. But it's a Toronto team that maybe we could see a little bit of an experience learned from this. I know that's a stretch, but you, pl- you play in a win or go home game and what was it uh Masai or Nick Nurse maybe both said that playoff experience is something important for this team moving forward I don't feel confident that if the Raptors do make it through that they're going to make any noise in the first round of the playoffs but losing and ending your season on that bitter note in a play-in with the play-in park tonight that's disappointing it adds to the disappointment I would love to see them win a game maybe two I'm not. I, I'm not at the the camp tonight. That I'm like. Oh, I hope you lose the game. Like I'm obviously, obviously I'm a fan, but I think that 
it's inevitable that this 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 series or this playoff stretch isn't going to end with a championship. Yeah. <laughs> Prove me wrong. But I still think there's a lot that they could, you know, not a lot. There's something they could glean from winning tonight's game. That's all. Maybe. Just, uh, I don't know. I suppose. I suppose. I mean, I guess. So you would uh, like the Toronto Raptors to lose tonight? No. But if DeMar DeRozan, (laughs) this is how I'll put it. If DeMar DeRozan has his moment tonight, scores 45, leads the Bulls over the Raptors. Mm -hmm. Well, that's obviously a nice. Do you think? Do you think there will be any turn in the crowd, like at Play and Park? Like you know, when you're at Rogers Center and mm-hmm. the Blue Jays are being no hit, and about the sixth, seventh inning, you start cheering for that mm-hmm. pitcher. I feel like that could happen tonight because the stakes don't matter as much as we want to like romance. And maybe it's just because I turn, I've I've tuned out Nick Nurse ever since we uh, since we since we kind of realized where his intentions are. My intentions or my interest has changed a little bit because if you guys aren't giving an honest effort, why as a fan would you give an honest effort back in return? But we know the result. We know they're mm-hmm. not going to beat Milwaukee. We know there's nothing at the end of the tunnel that resembles light on this season. Yeah. yeah, you could take something from beating DeMar in Chicago and then Kyle in Miami, and maybe you can twist it and tell yourself that this was at least a productive season. But the fact of the matter is it was not a productive season, and it won't be, and it can't mm-hmm. be. There are no, There is a 0.1% chance that we feel good at the end of this season for You're the Toronto right. Raptors. I would feel better if the Raptors made it through the play-in and played the Bucks, maybe got one win and lost to the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of playoffs because our expectations were that they would make it to the playoffs and do something. And if you grind it out here and you play with a little bit of heart and you play for each other and you block out the noise of your coach basically telling everybody he's not there anymore, your fan base is kind of feeling unhappy to say the least, and you can put together two wins and, and maybe play with some pride. Yeah, that to me is something... That it would make me feel 10% better about this. No. Yeah, 10% better about this Raptors season. I'm still full of disappointment and I'm still frustrated and I still feel like a lot of things can change this offseason and we're going to walk into that feeling the same way. But any any opportunity to play with some pride for your city, I'll take it. Because you're separating this from the regular season and you can, you have every reason to, it's like the first and only chance since opening night to give Raptors fans a good feeling. Yeah, it that's is. it. It does exist. It does exist. Uh, they can give you that. Um, but I think, I'll put it this way, this would be the most palatable loss playoff-wise that we've mm-hmm. seen in this city in a long time, probably since Washington Game 6 against the Maple Leafs, yeah. where it was just like, oh, this is all gravy. Like, this playoff loss will not hurt as much as any that we've seen in recent history because we know, and we know what this team is, and we know what the result is and the end game is actually going to be. Yeah, I guess you're right. Raptors uh, have an opportunity to shut uh, me up. Shut you up, maybe. I don't know. 7 p.m. tonight against the Bulls. Um, Blue Jays first pitch 707 tonight as well. Be busy downtown. Both those guys uh, just down the street from each other playing. So get to play in park early, I guess. I think it's also a Vladdy Bobblehead giveaway day at the ballpark, so it'll be a zoo down there. By the way, when they're calling it the play-in park today, 
Ayla you said heard it, it first. here first. It just it sounds good. It does sound good. It's rolling. Um, all right. So Raptors tonight, we'll tee this up. We had uh, an opportunity to talk to Mike Greenberg, host of NBA Countdown and uh, ESPN Radio. Everybody knows who that guy is. He's an absolute gem. We chatted with him yesterday, and he's got a new book, which is pretty cool, that you can't buy anywhere because it's sold out, but you can put your, your notifications on because it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, set a reminder for next month when... Uh... Yeah. The printer gets back up and running. We'll talk to him at 7.30. We have Jeff Merrick every Wednesday morning at 7. Um, and then, of course, we'll tee that up in the Wake and Rake as well. Send in your picks at 5.90, 5.90. We'll take a break. we got the A-list on the other side. And maybe a team has found a way to work around shorter baseball games, but with fans wanting to drink more alcohol. Sportsnet 590. 590. The Fan. Now, it's time for hey, yo. the A-List. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. What's up, baby? All right, last night wasn't the fastest game that I've been to, or that the Blue Jays have had this season, but it was one of the fastest that I've been to, of course, even with the pregame ceremonies. I was still walking home at an earlier time than usual because of the pitch clock. Um... Maybe didn't feel the effects of it as much, though. But Not to the extent Manoa may have. No, no, no. But the pitch clock has certainly changed the way that fans are consuming at the ballpark because it's a, it's a rapid one. We saw a game under two hours already. So think about it. How many times are you getting up and down for a frosty beverage? Some teams have already changed their rules to allow for alcohol sales to now extend into the eighth inning. So it's always been traditional end of the seventh, no more alcohol sales because they got to start wrapping it up and saying, Hey, like dial it in people. We got to go. You can't be just sitting around drinking for the rest of the game, but they're going to allow um, the Diamondbacks so far, the Rangers, the twins and the Brewers have all decided that they're now going to allow sales through the eighth inning. So more time for fans to get a cold beer Mm which I think is a, a smart move because you're going to lose out on a lot of money as well if you're thinking concession-wise. Like, the games are quick, so if you allow for one more inning of purchasing, you might make up a little bit of money at least. Not that that should be the main focus, but fans, they're quick games. Yeah, I didn't really think about that because uh, all those bars, like, what's the cat? What's the vibe at the catch if the bartenders are just turning everyone away? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's get that into the eighth inning for sure. It does feel like they'll be selling alcohol for, like, the same amount of time then, right? Even shorter. More of a time thing than an inning thing, yeah. I think, makes sense. Yeah. And if it's supposed to be, yeah, that's where you hang out. There's some pre and post game, no? Maybe it should stay open after the game. Well, I was going to say, with all the new Rogers Center, like, loungy areas and bars and social scenes, they should just keep the ballpark open all night and make it a big club. Instead of turning the lights on, you close the roof. I will say, I went up to the Corona rooftop bar last night. That is a scene. That's like a, It was like, you didn't even think people watched the game. It was a party up there. Wow. Okay. It was hot and sweaty, and a lot of 25 to 33-year-old people up there having having a blast. Mixing and mingling. I went and checked Nothing it out. Nothing better. It's a spot. It's going to be a hot spot of summer. Okay. So, Corona Rooftop Bar. Hell yeah. You'll have one, maybe the Blue Jays will follow along and have one more inning of available Dubai. But didn't bother me last night. I also got one of those cups, the upside-down helmet with ice cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, electric. Is there anything better than soft serve? It wasn't even like a hot summer day and I wanted soft serve. Soft serve's good. It was steamy in the ballpark, but I was like, you know what? I feel like an ice cream. There's always a reason. I deserve it. To grab some soft serve.
All right, we got Jeff Merrick on the other side of the break. Uh, we know our playoff picture for most of these teams, including uh, Florida Panthers clinching a playoff spot thanks to Mr. Kachuk that lit a fire out of them mm-hmm. about two weeks ago. Somehow they found their way in. And some people are looking on the outside, sadly, including uh, one of the most iconic players in the NHL, not making a postseason berth. Let's talk uh, there's to still, There's still a chance. Yeah, it doesn't seem that realistic. Okay. All right, let's talk to, talk to Jeff Merrick about it on the other side of the break on the Fan Morning Show with Justin in English.